Welcome one, welcome all to episode 215 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Saturday, February 3rd, 2024. I'm your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, joined by my co-host, the Intrepid, Captain Logan. And in today's episode, we are discussing the now-confirmed massive success of Power World as an Xbox exclusive. Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has a divisive narrative as reviews are now rolling out to consumers, and Activision Blizzard has new leadership. As always, we hope you enjoy the show. Logan, we like to start the show by offering words of kindness those who have made our gaming weeks better, but first, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. Uh, it has been it has been a stressful week at work, mm-hmm. um, and it's been an interesting week in gaming, mm-hmm. uh, but... Last night, I got to jump into Suicide Squad, and I'm looking forward to talking about that. Um, but overall, I, I'm just kind of hanging out, just just enjoying the week. I think this is the highlight right now. I just I getting to sit down. You know, we got some bad news yesterday, but wanting to sit down and talk talk with you. How about you? It's been a good week. Uh, difficult at work also, but I mean, that's kind of par for the course. Um, it was nice to get back into routine because January is a strange month for, for school, at least where I work, because there's no consistent week. There's been testing or holidays. We had two-hour early release because of weather. We had days off because of weather and just weird oddities. And so it was really nice to get back into a cadence and rhythm. It's very hard on children to break their routines. So it was nice to get back into it, uh, which is which is interesting. And I really like the topics we're going to be teaching coming up. So that's been uh, good. And then on the the Xbox side, we got to release our interview with Steven Totillo, which yeah. was really exciting and uh, not nearly as stressful as releasing the Cliff Blazinski interview because how people respond to things will show up in our mentions, right? And those timelines really change based on uh, how things are received. So it was really cool to see so many people enthusiastic about both interviews over the course of the last two weeks. But it seems like people really enjoyed uh, Stephen Totillo's commentary on games journalism, what it meant to be a reviewer, uh, a critic uh, versus a, a reporter versus a content creator. Very insightful and enlightening. And I really enjoyed that. And of course, uh, a lot of people latched on to the Sea of Thieves discussion that you two had, which I really enjoyed because we had a journalist come with his sources. We had an experienced content creator and you uh, with your own sources come and compare notes, talk about the, the, the goods, the wants, the bads, how it would work and help out with one another uh, to bring Sea of Thieves to PlayStation or any other platform. I really enjoyed that debate. So uh, if you'll forgive me, my words of kindness are to both you and Steven Totillo because to <laughs> sit back and listen was really cool. I really enjoyed that. That's funny because that's actually my my words of kindness go out to Steven as well too. Um, it's not too often that you get to chat with someone who's got their finger on the pulse uh, of, of gaming news. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, we have a lot of folks on like X and, and Twitter and, and threads and stuff that like 
we're always kind of up to date with like the the immediate happenings of what's going on with with gaming and stuff. Mm-hmm. When we got to sit down and talk, there was clearly like things that even I just I hadn't refreshed Twitter, so I hadn't seen like the news come out that he was bringing up. And after we got done with the interview, I'd refresh Twitter, and then I was looking. I was like, my gosh, he was like on top of it as we were recording and stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. that. That's- that is always impressive and fun. I, I always love when you get to chat with someone who is fully engrossed with what's going on with mm-hmm. gaming, especially when you know how talented of a, of a journalist they are. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't get that too often. It's really cool. I especially appreciated how we could comment on the change of games journalism because his yeah. his history, you know, going backwards, Axios, Kotaku, uh MTV news. There was one other in there that I couldn't remember, but he had a history of like being there when that site, that coverage element was relevant. And as its relevancy or credibility declined, it's like he exited to start Mm -hmm. a new thing. And that to me speaks a lot to a journalist's integrity when they move to where they can get an audience, be honest with that audience and comment on things. And I really appreciated one of the points he said, uh, and I'm not sure if, if, if you locked onto it, people, reporters or self-proclaimed reporters would say things like our industry is dying. And his problem with that was our industry, the reporting industry or yeah. the games industry that you are re- supposed to be reporting objectively on. Very interesting discussion there. I, I, I liked that. And so I don't mean to wax poetic about that interview, but it was insightful and I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, he, him doing his own thing, like kicking up his own baby uh, with GameFile, um, that's that's kind of nice because it, it's it's nice to see that he is he's able to kind of make his own thing mm-hmm. and not be beholden to uh, like corporations trying to dictate like how things go. You know, it always you always have to kind of balance out like okay, where's the person's motivation versus like when they're working for a company. But it was it was kind of cool overall just to chat with him. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, quite separately from that, in a week where we saw a PlayStation state of play that uh, many thought were, was fantastic, whereas I also was like, mm, I'm not so sure. It depends. I thought it very much lived and died on Death Stranding and your interest in that. Mm-hmm. Xbox had news of their own exclusive uh, hitting massive success, which I was really, really impressed and surprised by. And that is Power World, Pokemon with Guns. We talked a bit about, about it last week uh it's far more than pokemon with guns that's just uh, you know it'll never that'll never not be a funny thing to me <laughs> it is indeed quite amusing but power world uh did very well we, we reported on it last week we talked about it uh but we got numbers uh we got numbers for this week which was really interesting and on steam power world has sold sold mind you 12 million copies and uh, on Xbox, the number of Game Pass players is at 7 million, accounting for you know 19 million at the time that we pulled numbers, and it was only going up. Uh, pretty darn incredible, all things considered. Uh, there was an Xbox Wire article, and for anyone that's unfamiliar, Xbox Wire is Xbox's news reporting outlet. So it is their own news reporting outlet, you know, just to make sure we're clear. Uh, but they brought a quote from... Uh, Takuro Mizobi, the CEO of Pocket Pair, which they're the ones that, of course, make Power World. Uh, he said, 
Across console and Windows PC, Power World has welcomed more than 7 million players and has recently peaked, reached a peak of nearly 3 million daily active users on Xbox, making it the most played game on our platform at the time. Speaking to Xbox Wire CEO developer Pocket Bear said, the response from fans has has been tremendous and it's incredible to see the millions of players around the world enjoying Power World. This is just the beginning for us in Power World and the feedback we're gathering while in game preview will allow us to continue to improve the experience for PAL tamers across all platforms. Um, End quote. That was really, really neat to see his words, see the numbers that were coming out. What I found so neat about it is that in conjunction with his statement in conjunction with the numbers released by xbox wire was also the statement that xbox has been funneling engineers uh, and support staff to pocket pair to bring the xbox version in line with the pc version uh, because there is some difference there i i think i said this on last week's show i'm not 100 percent sure if it was last week's show or, or somewhere else but ainsley bowden once told me that it, it, they were light years apart and then i had other contextual reports saying it's not nearly light years apart but there does need to be uh better parity between the two that said seven million players on game pass wow that's incredible this is indeed the the exclusive the hit that xbox desperately needed i think for game pass we know starfield did big numbers for them we know that uh they have worked to kind of fill out that content but for game pass to get an exclusive in the console space is big i i I was taken aback you've played pal world is this justified i think so i've been having a fun time with it dude um i i've created two worlds and this is where I'm hoping like Xbox will kind of uh, be able to get some dedicated servers so that they can open it up the thing so that you can actually have like a persistent world. Cause right now someone has to be in the, the world for other people to be able to join you to play, which is kind of um, kind of on par with a, a few other games that we've had like last year with uh, like Redfall, where you have to have people together to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, sitting down and playing through that and, and going through like kind of the opening section and building up your base and stuff it's just it's cool it's fun you know like it's it's a very casual uh survival game in the way that grounded feels like a very casual survival game and uh the building um i think needs work but i think like the pal capture system is fun i think uh you know crafting and stuff once you start getting things like automated alleviates a lot of that that pain that comes with most survival games and I think that they've done a good job here. It's clear that they are pulling a lot of different things from other games, bashing them together to make something. And, you know, to no one's surprise, when you have a little bit of something from everything that is popular, people are going to like it. <laughs> you know, it's not too big of a, a surprise there. People, you know, I think I saw um, commentary on on Twitter about how a, a, a former uh, lawyer from Pokemon Company said that it's just another one of those ripoffs that they used to see all the time and it's like that's fine if it's a ripoff but if it's doing stuff that pokemon isn't and those things are things that people like to do in games it's gonna be popular man and seven millions nothing to shirk across you know i think the last numbers we got from uh, game pass um subscriptions was like around like 32 mm-hmm. so i mean a fourth of of game pass players playing power world 
on a version that isn't nearly as feature rich as as the PC version mm -hmm. like that's a that's a win for Xbox you know it really speaks to the whole point of having exclusives and you know if you look at the state of play it's it's clear that Sony is still in the mindset of getting exclusives so I don't see why Xbox shouldn't I agree I think it's fantastic I hope that Xbox while they are working to bring you know bring parity in line they're also working to build a relationship and lock this game down as theirs making yeah. power world on console synonymous with xbox would be a great move i think for 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 microsoft in general they need the win why not give them the win yeah. um at least that's my kind of casual take on it i have to imagine that's happening already. That's it, you know in discussion. A lot of people were jumping the gun, I think, in saying that like, oh, they should buy Pocket <laughs> Pair. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, all right, I I see why you would say I understand, but take a breath. Yeah. Right. Like like to let's take a breath because I don't see a world where uh, it's just that easy. Not after you've just purchased a seven billion dollar or seventy billion dollar. Uh, publisher and laid off 1900 and whatnot. Even if the layoffs were justified, not justified, that is not the debate, the discussion point. The reality is it just happened. Do you want that heat? Can you have that heat? Is there a legal element to it? So don't know, don't mind, but I'm curious to, to see kind of what happens going forward. You don't got to buy everything. All right. Just, you know, just, just, I, I, you know, and I, and I, I'm subject to this where mm -hmm. it's like, it's been a while and, and I haven't spent money and I, and I get that like consumer itch to mm -hmm. just buy something, you know, mm -hmm. and when people are playing with other people's wallets, like it's easy to just be like, oh yeah, buy it, buy it. It's popular. Mm -hmm. This is like an untested game. This is a, a very flash in the pan possibility here. Mm -hmm. Like, let's give it six months and see if this game, you know, like lives out some of the, uh, the, the, the zeitgeist. And the uh, the romance period or the the honeymoon period, you know, like right? Maybe <laughs> maybe let's see if we can get parity between uh, the versions and get crossplay working and PvP and dedicated servers and all that good jazz before we start jumping on the let's buy this studio thing because I think they've even stated that they're they're starting to look at what other games they can make right now and it's like this is like Power World is the biggest game they've ever made. It will probably end up being the biggest game that they ever make and mm -hmm. they're they're you know they've got a lot of work to do before xbox is gonna be like oh yeah let's scoop them up and right. even then you don't have to it's okay just pay it for pay the exclusivity contract and let them do their thing mm -hmm. agreed I, I i really do agree and i cure i'm curious to see how quickly xbox pardon me can get this in line we know that they have tried tried really hard to to address concerns with third-party publishers, developers, as as time has gone on. Like they will give engineers, they will, hey, we'll go work with, uh, we'll go work with, we'll send people from the coalition to work with Unreal Engine to help you with your game on Xbox. We'll go, we'll help, you know, uh, do whatever we can to make your experience on our platform better. They did it with Larian Studios. Uh, they've done it with a number of other and they've had other studios do it for each other too. Like they've mm -hmm. had like the the CFE's team go to 
talk to playground games to figure out how to make water look better for Forza and stuff mm-hmm. like that happens all the time. And Xbox always seems very willing to lend support, um, you know, either positively or negatively. You know, who knows, like if this is a detriment to this, like, all right, guys, we're going to send off four of your engineers to go for a week to help out this studio. We don't know. And it's like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. what about our games? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know like how that all works out. But the fact that this is kind of a thing that they're willing to do shows that Xbox, in my mind, understands the, the the potential marketability of the games that they are trying to help like bring people in for which is as a consumer level is only going to improve the quality of life for consumers mm-hmm. so let them let them do that they don't have to go buying it and just let them kind of see like how things go let's let's just let pal world breathe and continue to play Suicide Squad right now is the the most uh, the, the biggest game that's kind of come out that people are kind of talking about a lot. You know, we've had other really good games this year, like Yakuza Infinite Wealth and Tekken mm-hmm. 8. Um, there's plenty of really good games right now to be talking about. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, which is Power World. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually one of our later topics is just how impressive Game Pass has been at bringing games like yakuza and persona and really trying to strengthen the japanese influence market uh mm. in in general i just think it they've done a lot of work it doesn't need to live and die on pal world um similarly jump on it while the iron's hot there is debate for both of those things and i i respect and appreciate that um it'll just be a fun thing to watch if you are playing i will say to any listener if you're playing pal world and you have thoughts on it, have thoughts, disagree, agree, please let us know. We've seen a lot of discussion in our Discord uh, about it, and it's been fun to watch. They've got uh, a lot of different debates going. There's a whole section of our Discord dedicated just to Power World, so uh, if you're there, check it out. It is it is fun. I'm just curious to see kind of where we go with this. Is this a flash in the pan and it goes away? Or is this going to become a mainstay next to titles like Fortnite, like Call of Duty, uh, like Destiny, like Diablo? Like, where does this game land down the line? I'm interested. I'm interested. Same. So. All right. Well, there we go with that one. Uh, Really appreciate, really appreciate those of you that are talking about Power World in our Discord. And I want to give a shout out to those members. Uh, Those are patrons of the show. They have been immensely supportive uh, and allowed us to adjust our content delivery and adapt as the show has gone on over time. Uh, I did make some changes to the Patreon a little bit. Uh, tiers two and three are now the same. It's just a matter of how you can, want, or are willing to support XEP because every dollar from here on out this year is going to go towards the potential trips to uh, Xbox Fan Fest E3 so I can meet Logan uh, and you know see some games firsthand. And if that doesn't happen, then it'll be used all for game coverage, software, that kind of thing. But we appreciate all of you that have taken the time over at patreon.com slash Xbox Expansion Pass to support the show, to help us get games for coverage, make those trips, etc. cetera. Um, if you've ever done a super chat on YouTube or thrown money you know, as a, as a tip for anything on a various platform, bits on Twi- Twitch, consider a Patreon. That's how it helps us. Logan, we've got our tier two and three shout outs this week. I wonder if you wouldn't mind reading those names this week. Yeah, thank you to the tier two and tier three uh, patrons. Um, definitely appreciate the love and support that you bring, not only to the Discord, but just to the podcast and content that we put out in general. So thank you to Chris, 1HD, or 1H1D, uh, which if you don't know is one hour, one deci- no decision? No. One hour, one decision. Yeah, you joined one us decision. on the community episode. 
Yeah. And uh, I, I, a very interesting approach. I definitely appreciate that. Uh, Nicholas Johnson, Ellery Woods Parker III, Nicholas Downey, Rob Frawley II, Tao Zochi, Xbox Skittle, Steel Rain, Matto 1606, Randall Thor 19, Silkenit, Rick Gaffney, African aka Charles Jones, Game Positive, Jam Pack Sam, Matt Valdez, Neo Prime 33, Rick Davis, Red Beast, Xbox Mike 23, or excuse me, 29, sorry, Mike, um, the Lord Sir Master James Suddy, Brendan Myers, aka the Winner Gamer, Sony's VP of Marketing, Kevin Butler, Clint Coombs, DJ Hero, and Dano12. Thank you all for your love, your support. It means the world to us that you want to spend time with us and support us monetarily. Um, I don't know what else I can do to convince Luke to try and buy a second monitor. He is consistently just, he's like, I have a TV already. Why do I need a second monitor? And I keep telling him, you can have one monitor for when you're looking at us, and then you can have another monitor for a web browser. Hear me out. And he's, we'll Don't get I get in enough trouble for getting distracted? Do I really need more distractions? I don't give you any. I don't give you any crap for that. No, you don't, and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. <laughs> you can just you can just turn off that monitor when you're talking to Ains and Joe because they have their own insecurities about focusing on content. Like that's fine. Like you can do both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that was a fun episode. That was a fun episode. Hey, we mentioned our community episode. That was a blast. That yeah, was we, cool. That, that was we fun. had the biggest turnout from patrons. We had I had seven tracks that I needed to. Uh, edit and adjust for that one, which was dope because in the first one, it was just you, Ellery and myself, and then Clinton Butch joined and now Nick Johnson and Chris from 1H1D, Todd Oxtra has been on. It's so cool. Those community episodes, those are truly my favorite part about XEP. You know, you know, what cracked me up was seeing, uh, Nicholas um, talk about how like he was on one community podcast and now he went out and bought a microphone, a mic arm and a, and a mixer. Did he really? I didn't see that. In the Discord in the community section. Oh, that's cool. That's it was cool. Really funny. It's like one podcast. I'm a podcaster. He was a podcaster. Uh, he needs it. That's but cool. When you, it's funny when you like when you actually hear the recording, like how you're like, oh man, I I need to make it look look and sound better. I can I can I can throw some money towards this. Yeah, that is neat. I think it's fun. The community episodes are my favorite part, but also that we have a section for anyone that doesn't know about our Discord. There's a section for patrons to put their own content creation links in there. Seeing John Wall and Ellery and 1H1D uh, put put and Todd Oxtra put their links to their content in there and then watching our community drop likes and go and jump into chats is just the warmest feeling in the world, right? Yeah. Like it feels the best, like we'll get back on topic in a second, but like we had a lot of attention in the last two weeks as a result of Cliff Blazinski's interview and and Steven Totillo. And we had some great guests on XEP through January and we'll continue to do that through, through, you know, through the year. I think we'll try and do more of that, but that attention is not the goal. The goal is community. And, and that is, that might seem odd to some people because numbers mean a lot to a lot of people, but to have a community episode, to have a patron discord where, where people are dropping their own content and being supportive and kind. And like, we all have thoughts on games, right? Like we're about to talk about Suicide Squad. Nobody has mocked anyone's opinion on playing Suicide Squad. No one's mocked anyone's opinion on playing Redfall or Call of Duty uh, at all. Like we, I think yeah. the one, you know, we 
jokingly the, tease about Battlefield and, and COD, <laughs> but like there's no actual console hate. A couple of them regularly play on PlayStation. I think Butch is a regular PlayStation guy. Nobody's ever given him mess about it. It's just such a warm and welcoming place, and that makes me mm. so happy. So happy. Yeah. So Yeah, it's it's nice to have a, a fun place to kind of chat with folks about stuff. And and I think genuinely most people are pretty supportive and it's a small enough group now that everyone's kind of familiar with each other. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like the conversation just casually flows on a regular basis and, and nobody ever really, nobody's like vying for attention or anything, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking time. of vying for attention, suicide squad, man. Right. Ooh, suicide squad kill the justice league. Um, lots of, lots of debate. <laughs> about this one uh and we'll give context here first suicide squad review codes went out very sparingly i saw only only i think three people that are in my circle that got codes uh two of them were canadian which tends to be a very different set of of pr outlets and firms um but suicide squad did not give codes to major outlets including ign which there was much a hubbub about that you and I did not get codes from Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Um, I purchased the early access edition, the $100 version. You purchased the standard edition, I want to say. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's two conversations to be had. One, the, the review debacle and two, our experiences with it. At this time, I am 14 hours in to Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. I have removed three or four members of the Justice League from the table for that how you like uh i don't know i don't know if they're dead it says i've killed them i don't know it's like a pokemon they fainted it's 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 very i don't know what's gonna happen um and you have put in about four hours you were telling me so four and 14 hours respectively between the two of us i'm trying to look it up right now okay um so take that as you will listener you know as you're making your decisions but certainly a divisive game ign's review was a a five out of ten uh and the reason i bring up ign specifically is because they were the ones that were the primary source of conversation about the review codes because it's very rare that they are denied codes um i have a lot of thoughts on this in fact i've written about half of a review right now uh, I think I've got a thousand words written and I'm th- Logan. We think we might put this as our first video review for XCP. Um, yeah, I think we should play around with that. Okay. I'm down for that. And as we've removed one of the things from shows from our patron list, I think there's time and interest. So I will, I will continue investing in that, but I have a lot of thoughts on suicide squad, kill the justice league as a diehard Arkham fan, as someone who mm-hmm. loves DC, as someone who, uh, has put a lot of time into a number of DC projects, Batman comics, movies, everything. You can see the Gotham Knight statue behind me. Um, I, I love that was on sale. <laughs> and I posted like how cheap it was, and you'd bought it brand new. Oh, I bought it brand new, and I don't regret it. Oh. Uh, I'll say. Um, I have a lot of thoughts here, but I wonder if you wouldn't mind guiding the discussion either with questions or your impressions, yeah. and I comment. Okay, so. Um, to kind of kick things off to set the stage, uh, there's been a lot of folks kind of ready to ready to kind of um, be be negative about this, like mm-hmm. right off the bat. It feels like a lot of people want a different game from Rocksteady, and I don't blame them because I, I I've looked at like what the games they are that they've built in the past and played a, a, a decent amount of them. 
but I've never beaten any of the Arkham games. It's it's like a, a on hit list kind of thing. Like if I ever get that itch, I'll sit down and kind of continue pushing through them. But having seen like what they've done with Suicide Squad, at least in the opening hours, I feel like Suicide Squad is really trying to build a different thing. And they're trying to build something that they are passionate about. And you can see where a lot of their lineage has been kind of interwoven with the game. So having only played through to the point, and I checked it and I, I was right, I've got about four and a half hours in, um, I've just barely gotten to the point where I can start working on crafting and the world is open to me now. Like the, the, the map is available for me to kind of travel around and go do stuff and I can go after my first Justice League member. You've you've mentioned off air that mm-hmm. this was kind of the point where it was the most polished. Mm-hmm. So that's where it feels like there's a, a disconnect in, in a lot of the reviews, because a lot of the reviews are kind of panning this game. And I'm curious how you feel about it compared to what my experience is, because right now my experience is really good. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. this is a pretty good game. I've, I've really enjoyed the cutscenes. Uh, the humor is there. Mm-hmm. The the um, story makes sense. And it feels like everyone's kind of playing their role. And as far as the combat goes, you know, I, I've known since like the, the, the previous testing, I was going to be a Captain Boomerang main and mm-hmm. playing through with that character and really enjoying my time with it. And I haven't wanted to switch between any of, of the other Justice League or the other Suicide Squad members. Mm-hmm. Um, so at what point am I going to find out that this game is not as, as great of a game as I feel like it is right now? Mm-hmm. Soon, soon. Uh, I will say to anybody that, that is interested in suicide squad, DC fans, especially you should play this game. Um, get it on sale. If you're on the fence, because it is a steep ask for $70 because there's a good chance you will either love it or hate it and almost no in between. The early parts of the game, Logan, are the best parts of the game. Uh, From top to bottom, and I will say this very clearly, from top to bottom, Rocksteady's love for DC is here. It's on display. The gameplay is polished. There's very few bugs, which is pretty impressive for an open-world game. Um, This is not a game that is broken. This is not a game that is... Uh, you you boot it up and you're like, why this frame rate? Why what's wrong with it? This doesn't look right. There's an uncanny value. None of that happens. And and in the opening parts of the game, the opening hours, four hours, five hours, uh, you're funneled to a nearly single player experience, a very confined, directed experience. I would say yeah. it is more Guardians of the Galaxy than it is like Arkham. Uh, you know, in that it's a, a focused narrative. But you're about to arrive at the point where the game opens up, where what they do is they take away the funneled experience of the narrative, which to your point is hilarious. It's well-written. Top to bottom, the game is well-acted. The voice acting is wonderful. The writing decisions are debatable, but the voice acting is wonderful. The game is about to open up for you. And it is here that you see the identity crisis and the dichotomy of gameplay clash with one another because you're going to now begin the open world fetch quest quest nature of a looter shooter. And 
that will force your traversal to change and change and adjust. And you're either going to love it or hate it, depending on the character you're with and how comfortable you are. And because it's a looter shooter where you're gaining XP and new abilities and augments and adjustments, your, your traversal will get easier over a number of hours. But in those early goings of the open world part, the traversal is very frustrating. At least I found it so. Like, uh, I'm currently maining Deadshot. Uh, I'm currently maining Deadshot. And allow me to come back to the main port part in a minute. The jetpack runs out of fuel so quickly, so early, that flying about the city is not really a thing. Now, he's Deadshot, not Superman. He's Deadshot, not Green Lantern. He's not supposed to fly around and that be the thing. But he has a jetpack that runs out or overheats, I should say, pretty quickly. And then you have an extremely vertical city that now he is asked to traverse. Yeah. And you got to touch down before you can go back up. So you get this kind of bouncing effect early in the game. As you level up and adjust, you gain things that like 15% reduced cooldown time, you know, 10% better fuel efficiency or some variation of that. So you can fly longer, further, etc. So, so your traversal does get easier, and each of the characters has their own augments of this, including fla- uh, Boomerang's flash ability, which is really a teleport. Um, it presents as a teleport anyhow. Further, faster recharge, better changes, better slowdown in between decisions. Um, the traversal gets better, but if you're not comfortable with it, it, it's frustrating, and moreover, each is very different from the other. Yeah. So, and that's good, I would think, in a looter shooter because you want your characters to feel very different. Mm. But the learning curve is so steep that transitioning to another character that you may, in fact, like more, then you have to go, that learning curve starts all over. And I think a lot of people are going to bounce off of that pretty quickly. I think they're going to find it and be like, oh, I don't know. The game does do, this is the main part, and then I'll I'll stop for a moment. The game does incentivize you to switch characters if you're playing single player by giving XP boost based on missions. So like this is a mission where uh, taking on the flash, for example, captain boomerang will get psyched up is their term and will gain bonus XP for whatever he does in that mission. So it incentivizes you to get off your main and go learn a new character that only happens in the open world portions of, of the gameplay experience. It doesn't happen early on nearly as much. What, what, what was your question? Oh, so uh, one of the things that I wanted to bring up and uh, a couple points to to the the discussion around that. Um, when you first kick off the game, and if you're watching the B-roll, this is the, the video that I wanted to capture so that folks got a chance to kind of see like what the traversal mechanics are for each character. When you boot up the game, you get this weird kind of vertical slice mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like it's actually part of the main game. It feels like this is how they would have done like an E3 demo for folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it pushes you to use each of the different characters. And the reason for it is, is that they're tutorializing the traversal mechanics that you'll get when you actually kick off the game so that you get a chance to play with each of the different characters and you have to play with each of them and you have to learn the traversal mechanics for each of them. But when you're done, then you get to choose which character kind of worked best for you. And to speaking to the uh, the switching of your characters, the, the psyched up uh, options to be able to switch characters, you can switch characters on the fly. 
Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't have to be at the start of a mission. It doesn't have to be when they're psyched up. You can do it whenever you want. And one of the things that I've I've seen is uh, each character when you're playing with your your uh, NPC versions and not the the versions that you can have that are the ghosts of your of your friends that you've played with, um, you can have it set up so that they auto equip loot. Mm-hmm. So if you get an SMG or a pistol or or uh, you know a rifle that Boomerang is not going to use you can have it so that your characters automatically equip loot that is in your inventory that you are not using if it is better than what they are currently using. Mm-hmm. And to me, that really kind of gives you that freedom to mm-hmm. be able to trust that a, your characters are going to be bang- playing with better gear at the, uh, as, as often as possible. Mm-hmm. And that B you can switch over to them and not have to worry about too much. Like mm-hmm. they'll already be like working with good gear uh, that you found along the way. And the, the, the talent tree system right now feels very, uh, very simplistic. It, mm-hmm. It's literally just you, you can have each there's um there's guided builds that you can go with that are, are labeled something that mm-hmm. you can go into. So like with boomerang, there's like a hit and run. And then there's like a, a range uh, like, Thing in each one, if you if you're not really sure what it is, you can just say like, okay, well, my gameplay style is hit and run. I love to jump in, I love to melee, and then I love to shoot guys with the shotgun while they're up in the air, and then I like to get out and then do it all over again. So every time I look at the talents, I will look for the talents that say hit and run, mm-hmm. and then I'll read that talent and see if that's something like is that going to augment my gameplay so much that it's going to be a detriment, or is this just a slight boost to uh, the way that I play. And I think that they've done a really good balance of uh, trying to like give you depth, but have enough tools to identify the easy thing. So like each piece of gear has like a quick reference at the very top. It has uh, up for uh, attack and down for protection. And you can quickly uh, like judge based on those if an item that you get is better or worse than what you have. Would you would you agree with that, or would you say that that there's uh, too much depth that isn't um, alleviated enough? I love the auto equip feature. It does alleviate a lot of that pressure. I have found mixed results in them auto equipping, and that okay. I, I paid yeah. <laughs> paid a hundred bucks on this bad boy. In the early access, maybe that was a bug. Maybe it just wasn't working the way it was intended, or maybe I wasn't understanding. But like. Having played 10 hours, Boomerang still had some of his white gear equipped, right? You know, white, green, blue, purple, gold, right? That's the standard. Some of his white gear was still equipped, and I had to go in and adjust that. Um, There's a lot of... The the reason I think the game falls apart partway through is when it becomes the looter shooter. Suddenly, you're going to visit Poison Ivy, Penguin. Mm -hmm. You're going to visit Gizmo. You're going to visit... uh, There's another one, Hack. And you're going to visit all these different characters to augment and adjust your weapons, craft your weapons, do this, that, or the other. It's a lot. There's a whole lot. And there is a really funny line in game that one of the characters says, um, it's like, what? Because you have to go liberate, the side missions are go liberate these arms manufacturer companies. It's yeah, like, there's a, lot of, that one. there's a lot of arms manufacturers in Metropolis. And it's yeah. like, mm-hmm, a little weird. I, I, I do like, so... One of the things that I ran into was, um, and you, you've kind of uh, spoilered a couple of the characters, so I'll, I'll toss this out. But Penguin and Gizmo, um, one of them is is kind of uh, p- 
part of the crafting mechanics. Uh, one of them's part of the um, traversal uh, mechanics through like vehicles. Mm-hmm. And there's there's most definitely a point where each of them are kind of bidding for your uh, loyalty mm-hmm. as you as you're heading out, and they're like, "Hey, you know, if you do this, then uh, you know, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll you know help me out." Um, you know, if you do this for me, mm-hmm. then, you know, it'd be better than if you did it for them and stuff like that. Like, I love that kind of catty comms that you hear, like you hear comms all the time about mm-hmm. like, uh, like the little enemies, whatever they're called, um, talking about how like Batman's like souping up the, the, the forces and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. and Green Lantern's just like laying waste to everyone. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you hear all that chit chat all the time. And there was a point where I think I talked to an NPC and there was probably like a good solid 20 voice lines for a rando mm-hmm. NPC. And I'm like, there the, the investment was definitely here. Very much and, so. And it, and you can see like they put a lot of thought into building a world mm-hmm. where it feels like everyone is, you know, part of that world. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm just really surprised that people are 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 saying that it gets worse and worse and worse because I I see like there's a lot of good so far and I'm not seeing the the negatives yet. Mm-hmm. The, the, that is that rock steady polish that is on display. Mind you, this is a rock steady that has had talent leave since the Arkham series, uh, most notably Jamie Walker and Sefton Hill, who were the studio heads behind those Arkham games. Um, but worse and worse, I think it's more like it just goes further and further off the rails. Yeah, you get those 20 voice dialogue lines, but I put up a clip on Twitter of me in a floating car flying around as a hovercraft, blasting enemies as if this was something out of Crackdown 2. That was fun. It it was fun, but it was not the superhero vibe game that I think people were expecting. It doesn't even feel like the rest of Suicide Squad. It just Mm. feels alien in this this game and so that's where you get that dichotomy i talked about that identity crisis where okay where you run into like okay what am i supposed to be doing here what's the purpose am i traversing the game in an open world crackdown like dc game because it is crackdown like in a lot of ways albeit hyper polished um or am i playing a narrative driven experience and and when you try to walk the line between two you run into problems. Uh, see Anthem, see Destiny, see Avengers, which is going to be very commonly uh, compared to, I think, over the next few weeks. See Gotham Knights, which I, is its own comparison point. I, so, okay, well, we just, okay, I, I have to call this out because I feel like we're talking about two different games and the approaches that they took and how one's working and one's not. Um, with Suicide Squad, the way that they're they're kit bashing features together is a negative. With Power World, it's a positive. Mm. So is it just that Power World doesn't have dedicated people that have history rich backgrounds and a narrative that has to be fallen that it's kit bashing of a game with features that fall feel completely out of place works? And that this has just got too much of uh, emotional baggage with the characters in the world and the in in the narrative that they're trying to tell that people are rubbing up against the gameplay. That is a great question. Mind you, I've not played Power World, so I'm a little bit skewed here. Yeah. But I will say that um, the baggage that Suicide Squad brings to the table can't be more pressure than a Pokemon-like baggage, right? Like Pokemon brings yeah. its own level of thought. But 
Suicide Squad would have benefited from not being in the Arkhamverse and being removed from those narrative needs, right? Because I feel in my 14 hours, the liberties they've taken with the story, the characters, and some of the writing, and I just Mm -hmm. got to a point where I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, it's so disrespectful to the writing that Arkham has had before that I'm very frustrated. Whereas Gotham Knights, mm. I'm pointing to the statue behind me, was not bound by that. It was bound by expectations of an Arkham successor, but it wasn't bound by the, the story, right? So they could do what they wanted to and not disrespect or damage. Hold on, give me one second. Okay, sorry, sorry. Then let me finish the one thought. So that is the, the baggage of a narrative. Now the baggage, baggage of feature bashing things together you can you can mix and match any number of flavors together in ice cream and you might strike gold you might wince in pain right like mm, jalapeno and chocolate may not be your best bet right but you might get peanut butter and chocolate and that's the best thing ever i think you're gonna get so much flack for that jalapeno chocolate thing oh really is that a thing people eat I think it's a thing people eat. Oh, cool. First of all, rock on if you do. But my point is sometimes maybe broccoli and chocolate. I don't know. Um, okay, okay, okay. My point is sometimes you get that Reese's peanut butter cup. Sometimes you get a Brussels sprout uh, with honey and you're not – I don't know. I'm trying to make – you get my point. Um, it mm-hmm. just doesn't work. And so having not played Power World, that might be a, a case there where it just doesn't work or does work really well. That Does that answer your question? Yes, I, I, I think it's always up for debate on whether or not people think that um, having features mashed together is going to work or nor work or not. It's going to it's going to fall depending on what you're comfortable with. You know, mm-hmm. um, I did want to bring up because you brought up the fact that uh, Gotham Knights was not part of the Arkham verse mm-hmm. and that being giving it its freedom to be able to play in a world where they aren't beholden to that uh, that that narrative that was already established with the Arkham verse. Mm hmm. I I could be wrong here, but I remember people being upset that it wasn't. People were upset that it wasn't Arkham in gameplay. Okay. Well, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's both, right? <laughs> but like in mass, yeah, yeah. This was the that's, next, that's yeah. This was the next big DC game. Gotham Knights was at the time, and it didn't have the free flow system that made Rocksteady famous. Finds you uh, that that made its way into Spider Man and a number of other games. Um, that the, the Lord of the Rings games like Shadow of Mordor, uh, mm. Shadow of War, etc. Mind you, neither does Suicide Squad. It's really weird. Like, there's no free flow, and like their take on it with guns, bad, doesn't work. Um, it's mm. it's very strange. I wrote a, a review, a second take review for su- Suicide for for season gaming on Gotham Knights, and it comes down largely like how much fun you have is going to depend on what you're there for, right? Mm. Suicide Squad. Will depend on what you want. Whether you want a live service looter shooter, whether you want a narrative experience, because it tries to do both, and it 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 stumbles because it tries to do both. But it doesn't stumble in the way that, the ways that like Avengers stumbled, where technical issues were rampant, where people were frustrated with not feeling powered up in time. Like it, it, there there were odd elements. It learned from a lot of Avengers mistakes. The, the problem here is that when, once it opens up, it feels fetch questy and disrespects its heritage. Um, and I think, I genuinely think as a result of IGN's massive social 
uh, I say social, um, like in the social spaces, massive kerfuffle. Mm-hmm. From everything from Destin Legary's uh, footage that wasn't his that people were attacking for to his commentary on that to the Tom Marks comment about not getting codes. Everything around Suicide Squad's preview coverage on IGN will garner people to play this game and either side with IGN, side with Suicide Squad, which is a dumb way to enjoy your games for the record. But I've watched a lot of commentary on my social feeds where people are like, oh, IGN's the worst, or oh, IGN got it right, and people are rallying, and it's like, yo, you don't need to pick sides here. If anybody gets to be frustrated with IGN, I think it's Luke Lore and the Xbox Expansion Pass over the last two weeks, uh, because my comment about plagiarism never occurred, and people were saying that I said they plagiarized us. They never once mm-hmm. plagiarized us. I'm going to make that very clear for everybody. IGN never plagiarized the Xbox Expansion Pass. They had an opportunity to credit us, they chose not to. They either ignored or missed the email where I sent them, and then they locked onto something else. That is, this is about the Cliff Blazinski thing, just as reference. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. But they did not plagiarize us, and they have their own set of issues and problems that comes with being the biggest outlet on the planet. I'm yeah, not yeah. mad at them for their uh, for for gaming. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm not mad at them for their Suicide Squad coverage. I don't have a bone to pick with their Suicide Squad coverage. I get to speak to Travis at IGN pretty regularly. I get a chance to message some of them here and there. And like, I don't like that they have that that in our social spaces people have taken sides here because that's a dumb way to enjoy your games. It's not good. It's play it if you it, like it. Yeah, this is one of those things where people have a a, a, a torch um, and a pitchfork against IGN. A lot of it's coming down to that. A lot of it is coming to people not liking IGN as an outlet versus uh, the game that's actually coming out. And I think it's better just to kind of look at the gameplay, see if it's something that you'll enjoy, speak to people that you trust regarding like whether or not uh, they would recommend it to you. I personally, at the moment, um, am satisfied with the the money that I've spent on it. I've enjoyed mm-hmm. the time that I have. I look forward to going back in and playing some more of it to actually like kind of build up my arsenal before I take on the first Justice League member. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also seen parts of the game later on where, you know, people are further into the story and I'm looking forward to those because yeah, that was a little bit of spoiler for me, but at the same time, I I am very impressed with what happened during those moments where I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, that was really cool. I, I, I'm genuinely looking forward to jumping back in and actually getting a chance to do it. So I think that, if if it's something that you're interested in, if you like, if you can handle the Suicide Squad at the the just the bare level of like, I'm okay with their humor and with what they what they are, and you want to try out that whole thing with the traversal and stuff and give it a chance, I would say go for it. If not, this is one of those games that I think it's easy enough to say like there will be other things coming soon that may uh, be be more inv- more of an investment for you that you could let this sit. And pick it up later. I think the game's about to fall off the rails for you. I think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the more time you put in, the more you will run into that dichotomy, that that bumping of heads that it has. And I'm a Destiny player, though. I don't so think I, that'll matter. You don't think having like a, 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 a preference to looter shooters will will keep me invested? No, uh, not in this. I, I don't know that it'll keep you invested or not invested. I think there are plenty of people that will enjoy the looter shooter. I can see myself playing this with the boys once everybody gets it on sale or whatnot in time. 
just yeah. to play because because parts of it can be very fun. But I'm saying the experience you're having right now is going mm. to fall apart, and it will okay. not be the same. That's not to say you won't like it, but it will not be the same. Like there is none better experience than that, going no. through that arc. Did you go through the Batman experience? Yeah, that was were, cool. like it was the coolest thing. It was so much fun, so dope. It, but uh, so like from a Destiny perspective. I'm used to having like, there's a weekly story mission. It's very curated. You go through the narrative, you get the mm-hmm. story and then you're like, all right, I pop right back out and jump into world events and stuff because that's how you progress through the weekly cha- uh, challenges and stuff. So mm-hmm. having, having that break between like story and just like grinding mm-hmm. is not something fresh to, to, to destiny players. Like mm-hmm. we're, we should be very accustomed to that. And that's, that's what this feels a lot like. It's like, okay, well, I'm done doing my story bits. I'll wait another week for the next little story bit. Until then, I'm going to be grinding out like events and strikes and, you know, doing raids uh, with the crew and whatnot. And then when that's all said and done and a week has passed, it's time to jump back in and get focused in on the story and start digging into that narrative and figuring out what's going on. And then what we do, we'll go back and repeat a bunch of the same mm-hmm. strikes and missions and world events and stuff like we always do. Like that's that's nothing new to me. Sure. I'll, I'll be curious to know because um, because to me it really did fall off, and I think the boss fights are bad so far. They are not good so far, right? 14 hours. I still need to battle Batman and Superman. Um, they are still on my to-do list. And then, like, again, that's not to say the game is or isn't that long because you can get distracted in the open world yeah. or go do missions, right? Like, But we'll see. We are going to check back in, but right now – at this point, having not finished and hearing where you are, where I am, I mm-hmm. do not recommend anybody but DC fans buy this at full price. That is where I am at in this moment um, because there is love in this game. But I will, but we'll see. I would recommend Gotham Knights all day. I like mm-hmm. Gotham Knights a lot, and plenty of people won't play that because it didn't do it for them. Suicide Squad feels more divisive than Gotham Knights did. With Gotham Knights, you knew what you were getting. And it stayed with that for the majority of the game. I don't see that with Suicide Squad. But but something to watch. I like their roadmap for content. I like their pricing for that content at this moment, right? Like I some of their stores starting to get a little, huh, we'll see. Um, but mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. Either way, I do think they killed the franchise. I do think Rocksteady's gonna have layoffs. Um, this feels oh, I feel like it's not gonna do well. But Dang. Don't want to be right. I love DC. I hope they pivot away. We don't wait nine years for the next game. They've got a recipe for a open world Superman game or making use of Oliver Queen or something. They've got open world opportunities here with even the same city. And I'd be fine with that. So, all right, let's transition to other topics. Of course, we have the PlayStation state of play, which brought with it uh, some interesting topics. There no mention of either sea of thieves on PlayStation, which was amusingly in the air as a possibility. Also, Hi-Fi Rush not didn't make its way to PlayStation in this state of play. Uh, a lot of debate on a number of different social platforms, news outlets, uh, looking into both what insiders are saying, like Steven Totillo, uh, and what, what data mines are revealing in Hi-Fi Rush, multiple sh- multiple cosmetics were data mined to look like 
There is a Switch version on the way as well as a PlayStation for version on the way referencing uh, different slogans for each one. For example, the green one with the Xbox coloring, Shadow Dropped. The uh, red one with the Switch coloring was something like, you know, Play on the Go or something akin to that. Yeah, it was it was Rock Out Anywhere, which makes sense for a switch mm-hmm. yeah and so the data mine stuff is suggestive i certainly wouldn't say confirmed at all right we don't know what xbox's strategy is but i will tell you in the wake of the steven Totillo interview where he said on our show uh, or rather he doubled down on our show that sea of thieves is coming to playstation two or three insiders that travel the xbox space reached out to me and were like yep that's happening okay cool we'll see We'll yeah. see. They are known insiders with proven track records, like people that get cited in articles all the time and are right. We'll see what happens. But uh, either way, those two games did not make it into the PlayStation State of Play. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how, if this is, if this is something that's going to eventually happen, uh, how they're going to address it. If it's something that will just be a press release, is it something that Sony will take charge of? Is it something that Nintendo will take charge of? We've got um, a potential for the Nintendo Switch to release their their new console in this year. It's it's very possible that uh, they could have Hi-Fi Rush as one of those launch titles um, for their new console. And it, it, interestingly enough, the the Rock Out Anywhere um, is doing like the, the the you know the devil horns. But because of the way the the thing is, is it's it's just four fingers, so it's it's missing like the pinky, and uh, the two fingers that are up, it's I mean it's two fingers, it's a switch too. Oh, you're that's over it. you're over examining. No, well, I mean that's in, but I mean that's that that's what everyone is doing right, right. now. With this, right? Is like it on? Looking. Is it on Phil Spencer's shelf? Is you it, know? Yeah, this is this is the on on Phil Spencer's shelf equivalent to Hi-Fi Rush coming to other consoles. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, if that's what actually happens, but regardless, I think it's, uh, it was interesting to, to kind of watch the state of play, um, for Sony and kind of see like, you know, what are some of the titles that are probably going to be coming to other consoles, uh, which is usually the case. And I haven't had a chance to really dive in to see like what games are going to be coming to Xbox, but I do, I do say that. Of the ones that could potentially come to Xbox, um, I think V Rising is one that everyone should definitely be keeping an eye out on if that actually makes its way to Xbox. Um, as well as if, uh, if um, oh, what's it called? Do- uh, Dragon's Dogma 2. Is, I, I'm not sure if that one's been one that's confirmed for Xbox either. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. That is okay. a multiply game. Yes. Um, I, what, I, I would say, this is my, th- my theory about Switch 2. Yeah. Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Thieves, Call of Duty, Diablo, all coming to Switch 2. All of them. And now, yeah. we must account for the Activision Blizzard games as Xbox games. Um, I, I will not buy into the narrative no longer. This isn't an Xbox game. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. If Yes, it is. You, you don't get to keep making that argument. I'm not saying you, but like the narrative is not like... If I don't want it to be... Like, I can't say Suicide Squad's not an Arkham uh, Arkhamverse game. Yes, it is, whether I want it to be or not, right? Mm-hmm. I can't say, you know, that this, these are not Xbox games. Xbox owns them. They're now responsible for them. 
any good or bad press is now Xbox's good or bad press uh, and should and will be reported uh, as such. Xbox's Q2 fiscal reports include Activision Blizzard. That is a thing that they have happen, and that's why you see game revenue up 49%, content and services up 6%, hardware revenue up 3%, which is in contrast. I thought that was not doing so well. Um, but it, I mean, it's, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, cool. Rock on. Um, but now that Activision Blizzard is owned, it, it those are Xbox games. I don't mind if they're multi-plat. If people are playing them and I can play them where I want. Cool. Cool. And, and next to all that Activision Blizzard news is we now have our new president of Activision Blizzard, right? Not Bobby Kotick, not a known name that I was familiar with. Mike uh, Kamara, by the way, just as a, as a quick, quick correction was the former president, not Bobby Kotick. Right. Blizzard, not, yes, I'm sorry. Blizzard. I need to be very clear. Thank you. Um, Blizzard's new president, uh, Blizzard, not Activision Blizzard. Sorry. Uh, Joanna, Joanna Ferries. Is it Ferries or Faries? Do you know? I think it's Faries, but Faris. I haven't heard it out loud. Mm-hmm. So I'm open to being wrong about that. Um, yeah, but but she is now in there. I like this for a couple of reasons. On the optics business side, uh, we've got a woman of color in charge of a, uh, a company that has, has notoriously struggled with both uh, inclusion and the treatment of its of its employees. All those unionizations and lawsuits about mistreatment uh, of both women and uh, elements of diversity, that's a problem. But it's not that she's a woman of color that I love so much. It's that she is those things next to an impressive track record uh, of both being a gamer and working in management uh, on something as prolific as the Call of Duty franchise. In a statement on socials, she talked about how she's currently playing Diablo 4, Call of Duty, and Baldur's Gate 3. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Um, she, to me, has very much the same energy as Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond uh, mm-hmm. and a number of other leadership roles at Xbox, which makes them, I think, you different than, say, like your Jim Ryan at Sony, in that these, er, she, as well as Phil and Sarah, they feel like business people as well as gamers. There is a one of us feeling. That comes along with it. And you and I have cautioned before not to evangelize. And I don't know her from anyone, but pr- the pr- presentation feels very much that she cares about both the business and the games, which we haven't always been able to say about executives in the gaming space. Yeah, I, I, I think if you look at um, like uh, like PlayStation's most recent president, not a person who I would say big in games mm-hmm. and uh I, you know, you you could say that's a positive or negative. Um, you could say like Jim Ryan's impact on PlayStation will always be remembered as a positive. I don't see that as a as a debate really because I think he's done a lot for PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's benefited consumers is always all, all always in question. But I I tend to side better with people who have a, a good work life balance who enjoy games while being in the game industry business, you know, it's like, you know, can you really trust a, an executive that doesn't really partake of their own, you know, hair club for businessmen. Not only is she a member, she's also, a, you know, the owner, you know, it's like, I, I trust people who, who, uh, who, who actually play the video games <laughs> that they're working on because at a high level, they can see the content that's being put out and understand at a fundamental level of like why these are enjoyable what's what's wrong with them what's bad about them and what's good about them and 
where uh, a business should lead if if you have a, a better understanding of like you know if i'm enjoying ba- uh, baldur's gate 3 and blizzard is not making anything like baldur's gate 3 is there a team that we can look into to start prototyping the possibility of making something like a proto like a baldur's gate 3 is there ways that we can start to take some of the success and and design choices that go from something like that into say like a warcraft game Mm-hmm. And that's and that's just a, a that is a positive win for consumers because then they're getting something from the business that they like mm-hmm. that was based off of something that was not from their business that everyone else liked. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that is great. I, I fully agree. I hope I hope that the good vibes that we're feeling now with this hire, at least that I'm feeling right now, um, do indeed come to fruition because I'm excited to see just what happens with it. Um, and I hope more importantly that the employees that are at Blizzard, uh, and then I suppose tangentially related at Activision Blizzard, feel like this is a move that is in the direction they need it to be. It is hard to feel optimistic in the wake of 1,900 people laid off. But um, I think those layoffs were, a lot of them, were already known to be coming, right? I don't know how they were rolled out. I, my heart goes out to all of them. The human side of that is painful and sad. But my, but I have to imagine there is a, a vibe that is going to be different going forward. And I hope that it is one that the employees there are excited about because it incentiv- incentivizes talent. I don't think I can look at a single Sony-released game uh, and not see talent oozing from what they put out. It's not an argument of crunch or direction or anything else, but talent. And whereas I look at some of the Xbox release games and there's a question and I don't like that. There's a question sometimes. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer, you know? All right. A uh, couple other smaller titles. We had a number of games get updates by either in the way of season content or uh, delivery of new patches and updates. Halo got its big update, uh, which would have effectively been season six uh, but it is no longer now that the Master Chief team has taken over. So in that, we got a new map. We got a new armor core, uh, new abilities for customization, and more Forge content. Pretty darn cool to see there. Uh, Call of Duty, we got its date, and we know that Season 2 is arriving soon. Uh, interested to see kind of where that goes. We really enjoyed Season or rather I should say I really enjoyed Season I 1. I really enjoyed season one too especially yeah. that that christmas stuff that they put out that was fantastic and we're Agreed. supposed to be getting a horde mode yeah now we're getting a horde mode which is different than zombies which i really like zombies um yeah. it, it's it, i'm really excited to see what they've got here this feels like a good direction for for modern warfare 3 season 2 the interesting part i found was like people that kept dogging on you know modern warfare 3 on its release yeah this game's rocking and rolling reviews do not matter so if you're a suicide squad fan and you're seeing reviews if you like it, rock on and play it. I'm playing a lot of Call of Duty, and I like it a lot. Um, so there you go. I did dive into Diablo Season 3, which uh, Season 2 was revered, loved. Season 1, not at all. Uh, launch, great. So this team's kind of evident influence. Season 3 was not received well on its launch, and it had a really quick address of some of those issues, buffs, debuffs. They change things very quickly in season three. Um, and now there is, I think, a consensus that it's good, not great. It's okay. Um, they're doing a new 
content delivery, like a new uh, seasonal event within this season, the Lunar Awakening, which will give a lot of gold, a lot of XP. They've also changed the XP grind uh, so that people can level up faster. Season three seems to be two steps forward, one back, whereas season two is just two steps forward. Um, Season one was a step back, so take that how you like. I'm enjoying it. I don't like playing as a barb, by the way. I've done Necro, I've done Sorcerer. We need to like, I need to like show you like what my barb feels like and see if that looks better or more interesting to you. That's fine. I'm just saying. I'm going to my hardcore 50 achievement and then I'm moving on. I'll switch to a rogue or something because I loved Necro. Playing as a, as a barb in, in hardcore is a, is a bad idea just to begin with. But also the fact that you're playing hardcore takes a lot of the fun out of what I enjoy about Diablo, which is just being able to die and not care. That is a very fair criticism. And once I get to 50, I'm done with hardcore and I'm restarting something. So I will tackle a new character or whatever. But uh, hardcore, I'm only doing it for the achievement. But I've done Sorcerer. I've done Necro. I love Necro. Sorcerer, I liked. You like them dead bodies. All right. Oh, yeah. What's going on? When's what going on? The the lunar thing? Uh, I think it's February 6th that it's starting, and it's going to run through February 20th. Love that timeline, by the way, because it's not like a week and you're done. Sometimes these COD events that are quick. Um, and COD does a good job of giving you regular events for XP boosts to, to yeah. fill out your battle pass. Uh, Fortnite as well. But... 6th through the 20th, cool, nice. No love lost if you don't get in there. But lots of buffs, lots of uh, XP boosts. I'm there for it. Cool deal. Yeah, definitely. Starfield also got a patch, Logan. Nice to see that. Yes. You want to talk about support for PC. So any of you AMD graphics card people out there that are jealous of the, uh, the NVIDIA troops who have that frame generation with DLSS, uh fsr3 support now available which if you're not familiar more more frames for less uh power requirements for your graphics card so if your graphics card supports fsr3 you'll be able to play uh, starfield at something higher than 30 frames per second um which you know we told was not possible on xbox uh (laughs) which i still think is a complete lie but totally um it's it's going to be nice, and uh, they've done a lot of uh, passes over character animations, over quest chains, over uh, bug fixes, things like that. Random things like um, I think I read the patch notes. They said we we fixed the uh, the invisible enemies on certain planets, and it's like, wait, was that was that not intended? <laughs> I just thought that it was intended. I couldn't see them. Um, so yeah, there there's definitely a good pass. This is just the first patch of many. There's going to be a lot of content that will eventually come to uh, Starfield. It definitely feels like the zeitgeist has worn off since September of last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not seeing uh, videos on my on my timeline on YouTube um, kind of telling me about the uh, the latest mods and stuff. Uh, but then again, I haven't played in, in a while. So I have a NVIDIA 4080 Super that I ordered on Thursday that is arriving um, next Thursday on the 8th, I think. Uh, when that bad boy gets in, I'm going to plug it into this brand new PC. I'm going to download Starfield and I'm going to start start seeing what that game could look like with more than 30 frames and see if I can finally have a, a good experience frame rate wise <laughs> with this game mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, to the, the 30 frames that I endured 
um, with uh, this really beautiful controller that I just absolutely love. I still think this is one of the best controllers. I think the controller thing for Starfield is still one of the best, but I'm going to jump back in. And thankfully, I think uh, uh, cross-save is everywhere. So I think if I download the PC Xbox version of it Mm -hmm. um, through the Windows Store or through the Xbox app, uh, I'll be able to pick up on my playthrough and jump right back into one of the um, one of the uh, the new game pluses that I have. Yep, it's good stuff. Yeah. I think next to the updates we've seen in all the games that I listed, plus Sea of Thieves season eleven, future of delivery for content in Xbox titles is quite good. Quite good. I yeah. really like season eleven of of Sea of Thieves. We jumped in the other night, had a good yeah. old time. I really felt good to be back on the seas. So I'm hoping to get some more time in there with our buddies because that was fun. Was Which time. is funny because we had a really good time with uh, Fortnite last night too. We did. <laughs> and there's a, and there's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle event going on mm-hmm. soon for that and Metal Gear Solid's available where you can get Solid Snake now. There's, I, there, it, too much. A, too much, but it, quietly, like after the, the, the game, 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 game nature of 2023, I was almost yeah. glad that I didn't like Suicide Squad. Or that I don't like. I was almost like, all right, because <laughs> I'm loving these events, right? I'm having a good time. Yeah. So, all right, let's get some listener questions here. All right. Uh, we had a couple people write in, which we're really appreciative and grateful for. Several supporters of the show uh, also jumped in and listened to our Trophy Room XEP crossover with the Nerd Chat, where we did live game fantasy critic, and I don't know sports ball, but we are ranked third out of three in terms of prospective wins against them. Yeah. Um, as a not competitive person, that didn't bother me in the slightest. I still think we're we're fine. Yeah. Uh, we'll see, but we are in we, in that win or lose. I think that we we were really smart with our picks. Same. And, and, and it's, and it's funny because when, when you look at the, the other two teams and what they picked, I still think that they had really good picks as well too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch for sure. Especially because we got to cross pollinate with people that support our content and are fun with us and we support them. Like I watch the nerd chat every week. Uh, I watch trophy room once every other year. So like, cool, you know? So yeah, definitely. All right, so let's get to our listener questions. We have Todd Oxtra. He wrote in over on Twitter. Uh, he's a patron of ours, of course. He said, with rumors of a potential PlayStation portable device and other Steam OS window portable gaming systems, plus new Nintendo hardware, is it time for Xbox to partner with a hardware device to deliver the definitive Xbox native mobile experience? He's talking, of course, about the not the PlayStation portal, but yeah. news that PlayStation has ordered a number of like, I want to say it's processors or some it's hardware yeah, for manufacturing of a, of a portable device. Like a Not, dedicated native playing experience na- like right. a switch or a steam deck native being the word, right? Yeah. Uh, is it time for Xbox to partner? PlayStation has put out the PSVRs 1 and 2, the Vita, and the PlayStation Portal, and they have mixed support of them, right? Like, there, there is yeah. a mixed level of support. The hardware, of the PSVR 2 and the Vita, fantastic hardware. Oh. The, the Portal, um, people that have it seem to like it, but nobody talks about it, at least not that I see. That's the thing, right? Like, people, people who have it love it. Right. And everyone else is like, I don't need it. Right. So I don't, you know, 
debatable as a comparison point, whereas I can play on the my cloud-based devices any Xbox game that is in Game Pass. They still need to get game streaming for other stuff in there. The question being native, right? Yeah. If there was one, I'd buy it for sure. I'd want it. I would want it to sit downstairs and play games, to, to go somewhere and play games. I would want that. The, the counterpoint to that is how many games, sorry, sorry, pardon me, how many, you know, how many games require online connection to be enjoyed properly? How many single player? Like, could you play Starfield single player without being connected? Yeah. I think so. You can. Well, you do have to authenticate at a certain point. So what about uh, Redfall? I don't know. Redfall, yeah. You okay. can, well. Hi-Fi Rush for sure. Te- technically, no. I don't think you can do Redfall offline. Mm-hmm. That, so here, we're, Diablo? Nope. Can't no, do that. Anymore. Can't do that, right? Like, like, so I don't know. That's a good question. Would I buy it? Heck yeah. The difference, the difference being is, is that having the authentication in online services is a lot less strained on a Wi-Fi system Mm -hmm. than streaming content directly to it. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's one thing if you just have a big dumb TV and you're streaming content to the TV because it's just displaying the content. There's no interaction elements of it. There's no latency that needs to be done between like a button impress or button press and a server recognition. Whereas if you're doing that over the, over the stream and you don't have good internet, you're going to be impacted. You're going to see pixelation. You're going to see like that delay, that lag that you run in there, having the native system or having the native download on hardware removes a lot of that because it's a lot less, um, overhead on the Wi-Fi, and, and, and I'm not an engineer. That's just what I've, I've, ex- what I've understood about it. So I'm, I'm open to being wrong about that. Um, you know, feel free to correct me, but having the native experience, even if it is still online connected is a lot easier than streaming the entire effing game. Apologies. I was muted as I typed because we have the mechanical <laughs> keyboard, but you're right. You're right. I was listening to everything you said. I, I, I agree. I'm in for that device, but mm. I'm in for that device for sure. Even if they did yeah. a portal, I'm in for it because I, it's my ecosystem. See, I think you'd just be better off getting a Logitech G Cloud at that point. Because I don't think a streaming, I don't think that if you're just going with a cloud-based system, Mm -hmm. there are already really good devices out right now that you can get on sale for like 200 bucks, which is Mm -hmm. the the cost investment of of a PlayStation portal. You could have better connectivity with Bluetooth than a portal. You can have uh, access to both ecosystems as well as uh, Steam through the portal. And overall, the experience is just a much better thing, like if you're going to go that route. To, to speak to Todd's question, as far as like having a dedicated uh, partner for a handheld device, I absolutely think they should. I absolutely think that they should take like the uh, the Asus ROG ally and have that be a, a licensed, dedicated thing. It's up to the to the manufacturer to decide if they want that kind of partnership, though, because there's going to be caveats with those kind of legal agreements. But there's there's precedent set that these devices are in demand, whether it's a, a $300 device or a $1,000 device, people will buy these because it is a great way to play games. It's always going to come down to what is the battery life? Like, is it something that's going to be supported properly? 
what are the engineers right now at Xbox working on? Are they working on improving the PC experience on their app? Are they working on uh, making sure that the Windows experience on these handheld devices is a better experience? Like what is the UX uh, for, for these compared to right now? Could, they could be making their own version of this if they really, really wanted to. And I think that they should. I think the the, the thing is there, it's funny because I've been saying I've wanted one of these for a long time and people are telling me I'm dumb. So I'm trying to figure out why people are changing their minds on this now. Because it says Xbox on it. Because it says Xbox on it. I'm that dumb. I'm that dumb. And like, I glazed over hearing all of your logic because it doesn't have Xbox on it. And I'm thinking people are that dumb. <laughs> I, I'm not even like, it's not a diss, a joke. I'm not even messing. Like, I think people that, like a lot of the people that bought the PlayStation Portal yeah. bought it because it said PlayStation on it. 100%. You know, like you could have bought a Logitech G Cloud and had the same exact experience. That's 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 where I was go- going like if it says Xbox, the question is is the Xbox brand name powerful enough to do something that's special like the Portal did? Because I mean, I I don't think the Portal's doing great. I don't know that it's doing poorly, but like it's not you're not uh, getting news every week, right? Portal sells X, sells Y, and they were outlets are being reported to on PS hardware with those two numbers combined. Yeah. It's so. not, it's not the, the gang banger that, um, uh, the switch was when it came out. People aren't saying like, this is the new way to be playing, uh, uh, PlayStation games. And I think a lot of that is because of that, that cloud aspect of it. Right. If they had a dedicated handheld, which is, is, you know, what, what the rumors are saying based on, on Todd's question here, that would change whether or not people would be picking something up like this because we know that people would buy something like that based on their their you know the history of PlayStation. Mm-hmm. But PlayStation not very good, uh, not very good. Um, oh, I can't think of the word, but they're uh, uh, stewards, stewards of hardware that they make. Yeah, yes, that's that's fine. They do not support their hardware yeah. in a way that I would want to be rewarded as a customer. Right. I felt very, I felt very left behind with this, the PSVR two support. I was anticipating from their first party mm-hmm. on that device. That's a shame. Everything that's come out has all been like third party and not all of the really great stuff is stuff that's available on it. Mm-hmm. There's been a, a, a good handful of times where I'm sitting here thinking I need to sell my PSVR two because this ecosystem is not thriving the way the the MetaQuest three is, and the mm-hmm. MetaQuest three, more expensive, uh, but also better ecosystem, um, you know, cord free, and they're still mm-hmm. able. And and I realized, like in hindsight, I am not playing VR for that long. I'm not playing VR long enough to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm running out of battery. This is a terrible experience. Mm-hmm. I'm playing VR for maybe like an hour, two hours most, mm-hmm. where my body just will not allow me to play anymore. So being being connected up to the PlayStation is now more just a hindrance than it is, you know, if a, if it was a cordless experience. So that plus like the first party support has really really depressed me as far as like whether or not this has been a smart investment because I was expecting God of Wars, I was expecting Nathan Drake's, I was expecting uh, Astrobots, and I'm not getting any of that. And that's you know, where's my Spider Man? Astrobots, which you should have gotten off the bat. Dreams. Where's my dreams? That game's dead, bro. Like, <laughs> oh, did, did you see that they they had a version 
There's a rumor. I don't want to talk about it. It's rumors, but there was news. Well, next to that, Jam Pack Sam writes in on threads. He's a patron yeah. as well. He says, with rumors that PlayStation is getting <laughs> back into the handheld market, uh, do you think Xbox is too big on the cloud gaming being the way that people want to play on the go and missing out on dedicated handheld experience? We didn't give a yes or no to Todd's question. Let's give it to this one. Is Should Xbox make a native experience? Yes or no? I think they should. I think they should too. A lot of the games that they have out right now are still supported by the Xbox One. Mm -hmm. I think hardware that you can make right now can hit a price point that would still fall between something that is an acceptable between like a Series S and a Series X pricing mm -hmm. and still offer a good enough experience natively that would fall somewhere between an Xbox One X and an Xbox Series X. Mm -hmm. I agree. So I think they could do it. I think that it's going to be something that is got to have that support, that backing and Maybe they just maybe they just suck it up and recognize that cloud gaming isn't as prolific as it can be now, knowing that it will be in the future. But in the meantime, people are still too connected to native experiences. Agreed. Last question comes from Ellery over on Thread. She's a patron as well. You're given one thing to change in Suicide Squad. What would it be? I thought a lot about this. Yeah. yeah. We only get one, and here's mine. It's not gameplay. It's narrative-based. Killing the Justice League, having a bad Justice League, a bad Superman, is tired, and it's been done before. It's been done in Injustice 1, Injustice 2, Lego Batman 3, DC Villains, was Brainiac going awry and the Suicide Squad having to save the day. I would have loved, loved, loved if the narrative, and I'm speaking about the narrative, not the game play, if the narrative was such that Suicide Squad was saving the day and the heroes were failing, but you weren't going after them, like you were fighting their own big bad, that one thing that both Suicide Squad movies did well was let the Suicide Squad have their moment uh, and not contend with the Justice League for attention, something that was worthwhile and good. Um, and this narrative that we have here is, I think, a poor narrative, which sucks because it's done like with Rocksteady's love and passion and polish. But we've seen this before. We've seen Bad Superman before. Like, if anything, I want Rocksteady to take the pieces of this game and make a good Superman game or a good hero game. We've just been we've been in the whole heroes are bad phase for DC for quite a mm. while. Like we've seen, even in Snyder's version, the bad Justice League threat was there. In Injustice One and Two, bad Justice League was there. Yeah. It's been a it's it's a tired narrative, and I'm <laughs> over it. Like give these antiheroes their moment to be antiheroes on their own, like James Gunn did, like uh, uh, David Ayer tried. Why why is that funny? I don't understand. I, because I know why you're saying this, and it's counter to how you feel. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm okay. Then I'm not tracking. I don't know. Okay, so the reason you're saying this is because you like your heroes to be heroes, not to be villains, because we're playing games on a regular basis that have tired narratives that we're okay with because they're with heroes. And I'll point out uh, Halo Infinite is a good example. 
You love heroes. You're you're okay with the narrative being the same. Like, let's go up against the the bad guys. They've got mm-hmm. the covenant. They've got the banished. They're all bad. We're gonna go to a ring. We're gonna shoot some aliens. Mm-hmm. But you're playing as the hero. This is a game where you're not playing as the hero, and you're not liking that because you're not the hero. And that tired narrative is something that you do not personally enjoy. But thank God we're not a Nintendo podcast because, buddy, like Mario is always going after Bowser and Link is always going after Ganon. And we still love those games. Yes. But yes, but I don't I guess I don't get the humor. Maybe this is one of those Luke's not getting it moments. But when you are if we played a game where we played as Atriox, I would not want to fight the the UNSC. I want to fight a threat native to them or unique to them. The fight isn't the the native fight for the for the banished in Atriox is currently the USN and C. Uh, they kind of they kind of wipe their floor with them, so I'm not really sure if that's um, a, a actually one. just to throw this out there. Cortana <laughs> destroyed Doiseac, which was the homeworld of uh, all the brutes, and then <laughs> brutes used covenant to, or used pre-covenant technology to destroy Cortana. I'm just throwing it out there. It's like the USC is not their main problem. I'm just throwing it out. Just whatever. Actually. Go back um, to your All right. (laughs) But I would have loved for the Suicide Squad to fight a unique thing. I'm tired of seeing the narrative of DC. Like, go watch The Flash. Like, they had to, to... If you watch The Flash, like, they perverted their heroes to get their narrative. I don't want, I'm tired of that. Like, it's just, we haven't had the good guy is good guy. Like Deadpool is the anti-hero. He's the only thing going for, for Marvel right now that people are interested in, but he's not perverting the, the standard narrative. I don't, I don't know. He's, just, he's doing the, he's doing the narrative that is always been his narrative. Right. And I would like to return to that for DC because they're trying so hard to be edgy that in yeah. fact, if they would go back to being formulaic, I think they would be more widely adopted. Formula is not a bad thing. To go back to your example, Mario, Zelda, uh, look at look at PlayStation games. Formulaic is not a problem. And I think when you so, break formula, sometimes you you unnecessarily hurt things. I'm, I'm rubbing, I don't want to linger on this, but I'm, I am rubbing up against the fact that you say that the perverting of uh, the the anti-heroes or the suicide squad to fit the narrative of the Brainiac thing is tired. And then you saying that you also want them to go back to their traditional narrative, which okay. is the tired thing. Perverting the hero, perverting the hero. Like we don't need, like, yeah. so in the flash movie, I, the, by the way, no one needs to watch this movie. So I'm spoiling the flash movie right now. You know who the <laughs> bad guy is? It's the flash. Have you seen any of the nine seasons of The Flash where he's the fastest man or or the the character? No, funny. But like (laughs) The Flash is the bad guy in The Flash. Okay. Okay? Like here we've got the heroes being the bad guy in Suicide Squad. They're they're perverting the the nature of the hero, the corrupt hero. In Snyder's verse, the, the fear was the nightmare where Superman is the bad guy. And in... um. Le- Lego DC Batman, the heroes were the bad guy, and the Suicide Squad saved the day. In Injustice, they provoke the heroes; they make them the bad guy. Now, Injustice did it really well, and that was the first kind of foray into that realm for a while. And then it just kept being the same thing. Like, go back to the formula. Give that the reason Superman and Lois was popular on 
on CW was because it was formulaic. It was hopeful. It was happy. It was positive. The reason that the Avengers was fun in the first Mm -hmm. one was because it was hopeful. It was positive. They got rid of the perversion as Loki stopped with their brains and they went back and they saved the day and they were good. Heroes can be good. It's okay to be uncomplicated in that realm. The joke against Luke lore is that he wants his heroes to win and the villains to lose. Yes, but also that seems to work, right? <laughs> like, yeah. well, I would, I would, I would change the the verbiage of of uh, the tired narrative being the perversion of heroes because I don't think that that's the tired. Per- I don't think that's the tired narrative. I think the heroes always win is the tired narrative in this case. The perversion of the of the heroes is the uh, the exception to the the traditional outcome of, mm. of these games. I think that would be the the, the change in, in verbiage that I would do. Uh, by the way, Ellery, uh, from my perspective on on your question, I would change the combo system so that it doesn't include um, uh, combat plus traversal to increase your your combo streak to unlock abilities and stuff. I think that whole combo system is boring, and I hate having to think about you know what my combo level is and whether or not I'm efficiently uh, you know, doing encounters properly. Like I would just rather play the game and enjoy it for its, its smash button situation, as opposed to trying to like, make sure that I'm throwing my boomerang and then zipping over somewhere and then punching someone and then zipping somewhere back and trying to boost up my score that way. That's fair. My <laughs> final point for today, it's very clear that Rocksteady's group loved what they worked on, worked very hard on it. They did polish the heck out of this game. There is clear passion in what they did. This does not feel like the release of a broken game or a bad and a bad like coupling. It just didn't work. I'm glad they delayed it. Mm-hmm. It's better than the alpha for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. I think the the delay was warranted, and I think they've done a really good job polishing it since. But. Agree. Whether or not that hits with everyone is going to be kind of a, a more personal choice, I think, at this point. Agreed. Look forward to a video review. I think that is something we're going to try, see if it works. It, it's a lot of work, and it won't be a regular occurrence every time, all the time, but it is something I'll I think we'll go. try. We'll give it a go. Yeah. Um, I'm working on some indie reviews, not, sorry, indie interviews in the coming weeks. Take a break from the big stuff. That was a lot for, it was a lot. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, for sure. Logan, where can people find you on socials? What should they be looking for in Keelhauled? Um, things going on with Keelhauled. Uh, I'm going to be jumping into the patch notes for season 11 this week. So if you're curious to find out like what kind of changed with the game as opposed to last week's episode where it was purely just like impressions based from the community, uh, this week is going to be focused on kind of breaking down like what to expect going into season 11 if you've been keeping up with it or you're just kind of curious like what the actual patch notes dived into. Plus there's some stuff that I'll probably be talking about with my own personal experience, just to kind of share my feelings on that, but that's Keelhauled. Um, so if you like Sea of Thieves or you're interested in Sea of Thieves, especially given the foundational changes that they've done to make it easier for people to get into this year, um, check that out. Otherwise I'm just over on socials, C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. Uh, if you're in the discord, I'll probably be chatting with you guys later on. There you go. 
You can find me on socials uh, at Insipid Ghost. Been working a lot over on threads to build that uh, community there. I had a great conversation with Shannon Loftus just in exchange, which was kind of cool. Um, but I would love for you guys to check me out there. If you haven't checked out the interviews that we've alluded to in the past week or so, please do so. Have a fantastic rest of your week, everyone. Take care.